Hello and welcome to another episode of Sexual Confidence on Tap with Shannon Etheridge and Friends, where I am in the midst of a summer loving series with two of my very dear long-term friends, Reverend Angie McCarty and Julie Seibert. And the last conversation that we had together, we talked about talk, about talking like lovers do, and we gave everyone a challenge. So before we dive in to this week's topic of playing like lovers do, I want to ask Angie and Julie if they have any sort of update to give on that topic of talking like lovers do. The assignment that we gave was we wanted people to take bandanas and blindfold themselves and get knee to knee and fingertip to fingertip and talk their way through a lovemaking experience where they actually had an intimate encounter using nothing but their words, no actual body parts, just to develop a vocabulary and a repertoire. Uh, so Angie, you had asked for a hard pass on this conversation because you're a pastor or because your daughter edits this show? Absolutely, because my daughter edits this show and part of her agreement to be a part of this was that she not hear any details about my sex life with her stepdad. So <laughs> hard pass. Watermelon cantaloupe. Say, <laughs> yes. Yeah. Rutabaga. <laughs> oh my goodness. But you also felt as if uh, your parishioners did not need to know that much about their pastor's sex life. I do feel like there are boundaries in every relationship, and I want my parishioners to know that this is a topic that is not off limits. Right. However, um, I would never expect my parishioners to share something that I'm not willing to share. Um, and so the gray area is always how much to share, knowing that there are going to be people who watch me preach and participate in that, um, in my church community, listening to the podcast. Right. So. And, and I'm giving you a hard time. I had no I expectations whatsoever that you would, uh, share graphically in that regard. Julie and I are a lot more comfortable self-divulging. <laughs> is it, <laughs> is it because we don't have as many followers as Angie or is it because we really don't care what our kids think? Or do you like me, Julie, know full well that my children do not listen to the show? <laughs> well, I would say, yeah, my, my children don't listen to this, but that wouldn't, it wouldn't stop me. It wouldn't make me inhibited, but I will say, I will admit fully. I, I didn't do the exercise because shortly after we finished recording those, my husband and I headed straight into some COVID. So we are still on the mend. I did share with Shannon though, that um, on the kind of the tail end of that, we did try to have sex. And I told her about three minutes into it, I realized how incredibly exhausted we were. <laughs> So, so we did try to maintain our intimacy, but I don't know if at the time it was the best decision for our recovery. From I'm just impressed that you attempted a sexual encounter while you both had COVID that had to feel wretched, but a plus for, well, it was, it was hot. It was hot, but not in the good way. We were both we were both incredibly sweaty, but not in the good way. And we were both incredibly exhausted. Yeah. A feverish <laughs> encounter. That's not exactly what you dream about. Huh? 
Okay, so I'm the only one who has anything to report in this regard. So I did it okay. slightly differently than what I had prescribed. What I did was on a Saturday morning, I told Charlie that I wanted him to carve out a full hour and I wanted him to just lay his head in my lap. So I put my back against the headboard and had his head in my lap and I gave him a scalp massage and a face massage. And I taught him through uh, how much I love and respect and admire him based on the things that I know about his childhood and his family and his education and his career pursuit. And I worked up to how much I love being married to him and how much I love our lovemaking. And, and then went into some detail about the specific things that I love that he does to me and that I get to do to him. And after, well, I made it to 45, the 45 minute mark, I got to 45 minutes before I decided anything beyond this would feel as if I'm beating a dead horse. So I wrapped it up after that and asked him how he enjoyed that. And he was just like, that was so relaxing. And what I noticed is that for the next three or four, maybe even four or five days, we got along so stinking good. We just worked so collaboratively around the house and spent a lot of time together doing things together that we normally would do separately. And like, we just didn't feel as if we could get enough of each other. So I do highly recommend that you do some version of the exercise where you can talk to each other like lovers do. So yes, I will pause there and let you affirm my efforts. <laughs> well I, done. <laughs> very well done. I'm very proud of you. And Julie, again, admire you for trying. Way to go. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think don't know that, if I would highly recommend it, but it it we we got there, so to speak. But <laughs> but it wasn't I I can't say it was one of our better encounters, but we got there. I don't think that you can have red letter sex while you both had COVID, but again, you get the big brownie button for trying to be intimate while being so sick. Cause I promised you, if I had been that sick, I would not have done the homework. So moving on in our series today, we're going to move beyond talk and discuss play, playing like lovers do. Now, Julie, you were the one who had this suggestion for an episode. So what did you have in mind when you suggested that maybe we need to talk about play? Well, I just have always, my followers have heard me say this a lot, that how we act with our clothes on speaks volumes to what happens when the clothes come off. So I really think that how um, we become sexually playful, uh, throughout the day. And a lot of that, I mean, obviously if you are around other people or you have small kids or teens or whatever, you have to use good discernment on appropriateness. But I think a husband and wife just have tremendous ability to have what I would say kind of a secret knowing. They, they know what different touches mean and uh, different words. And so I think that kind of playful banter and uh, throughout the day can really do a lot to get our mindset in the right place so that uh, by the time we get to a place where we can be naked, we really have kind of primed the pump, so to speak, and really built connection throughout the day. So I think sexual play for playfulness is great. I, I'm a big fan of public display of affection that's appropriate, obviously, 
Um, so yeah, that was kind of my, my thought. So what's an example of something that you would be willing to do in public that is playful and that Randy knows full well what you're communicating, but you can get away with it in public without getting arrested. Because it reminds yeah. me of a sign that I saw in my doctor's office recently that said, okay, so I danced like no one was watching. The court hearing is tomorrow. <laughs> I love it. Well, I would say a big thing that I do with Randy is it's um, like if I run my fingers along the back of his neck. So like if we're sitting like either driving in the car or we're sitting like I always say church is a good place and I run my fingernails along like his collar that is quite arousing for him. Um, same things like if you put your hand on your like if you're sitting someplace or you're next to each other and you put your hand on your partner's thigh and um, just I, I mean for Randy fingernails is a big thing. So anytime I'm doing anything with my fingernails, that kind of light tingly touch, that's, that's going to do it for him. I also think a really another a sensitive spot is along the waistline. Mm -hmm. So, you know, if you run your hand along their waistline on their back, like I think that can be quite arousing, uh, but really it's like learning your partner. Like I, over time, trial and error, you learn and through their affirmation, you learn what they like. For some people, light touch would not be arousing. For some people, it would be annoying. Mm. So you have to really know your spouse. So that's yeah, what I would say. Really good point. So Angie, when you saw that we were going to be discussing the topic of, of playing like lovers do, what thoughts came to your mind? We have a combined six children. When we got <laughs> married five years ago, five of them were in the house. I grew up with parents who never showed affection to each other. My first husband and I struggled with that. So one of the things that Jonathan and I made a very conscious decision about from the beginning is that we were going to be affectionate in public, especially in front of our kids, because we wanted to set that expectation and that model that this is one of the things that's okay, that's encouraged, that is necessary as a part of a healthy marriage. Now that, uh, let me give a caveat. If you and your partner decide together that you're not comfortable with PDA, um, then certainly um, in private playfulness is, is okay. But so Jonathan and I decided that and we touch each other all the time. We kiss in front of the, of the kids and they have moved from gross to <laughs> silence because I said, look, you're going to have to get used to this or you're going to be uncomfortable all the time. And we will um, hold each other's hands at the dinner table. We will um, play our, with our feet under the dinner table. Um, yeah, Julie, I, I get um, knowing your, your partner's touch spots. And for my husband, that's his spine. So if I scratch along his spine, he loves that. Um, and he just knows that I like to be touched anywhere. So my head, my face, my shoulders, what, wherever, just touch me. I'm good with that. <laughs> yeah. And to maintain that playful banter that leads to something more at night, um, just heightens the anticipation and makes us feel wanted. Now what you've both, yeah, I think that's a huge thing. Yeah. What you've both described with a fingertip 
somewhere on the back of the neck or the spine. It reminds me of that scene in Schitt's Creek, if y'all watched that show at all, where Moira is teaching her daughter that anytime you want to send a message to a guy that you just take one finger and you run it down the spine. So Charlie and I have made a joke about that. We frequently do that in uh, often in public places because yeah, it doesn't look obscene necessarily, but you sure send a big message with it. Yeah. The, Plus, the we should all, angle. right. And we should just all um, emulate Moira Rose in so many areas of life, like parenting, quality parenting yeah. there. <laughs> Loved her character. But let's give credit where credit is due. That little spine tingle thing was a good piece of advice from Moira. <laughs> uh-huh. She had her moments. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, totally. So I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I don't mean to put a damper on the conversation, but I do think that it's really important for us to discuss what happens to a relationship in the absence of play. Because this isn't just something cute that we're suggesting. We are saying that all work and no play makes for a really dull relationship. Would you ladies say that previous relationships have crumbled for you because of a lack of playful camaraderie? 100%. I mean, there were certainly other issues in my first marriage, but we had become so business-like when we had little kids and both of us working full-time and other projects and, you know, trying to maintain our independence that we were just never in the same room long enough to become playful with each other. And when we lose that sense of playfulness, I know I wondered, well, is he even thinking about this? Does he want this? is this even a part of our relationship anymore? And I can't speak for him, but I would imagine that he was feeling similarly. So I do think that it is, it is vitally important Mm. that we maintain that sense of playfulness, flirting, that, Mm. that we use that in our relationships. It just creates energy. It does. I would say the same thing. And I would say not even, I mean, I'll be vulnerable and say not only in my past marriage, do I think we kind of lost a sense of that, but there have been moments in my current marriage where I think Randy and I have just become consumed. Um, Now we've been married a little, this second marriage is a little bit longer right now for me than, than you two are in your second marriages. But I think we've had moments where we just have gotten caught up in the routine of life and the logistics of life that it's really easy to kind of I call it drift it's just relational drift you know you kind of lose that sense of playfulness and that intentionality my my followers are really used to me talking a lot about intentionality and so yeah I do think the playfulness um, it does not only does it fuel that sexual desire it obviously uh, I think for most married couples it does that But I also think it just fuels that sense of oneness, generally speaking, like that we're in this together, Mm -hmm. you know, just the, you know, that your spouse would reach for your hand or would, you know, just a reassuring hug or just some form of affection or just, I I call it a nonverbal that really communicates, hey, I'm in this with you. I'm, I'm right here. So um, I think it serves obviously a playfulness 
for growing like your sexual uh, desire for each other, but also just your oneness for sure. But the thing that comes to my mind is that some people may be thinking, I don't even know how to get from where we are to the idea of, of being playful in our relationship. So let me make some suggestions. Okay. Um, one of the habits that Charlie and I got into very early on in our dating relationship that just bled right on over into engagement and marriage is that after every meal, we play a card game. We literally keep the cards on the table with the salt and pepper type of a thing. And that I love this because it harkens back to two different seasons for me. When I was a child, I just felt so overlooked by busy parents and a much older sibling who had no time for me. The people who spent time with me were my grandparents. And I distinctly remember games of Skipbo and Uno and chicken foot dominoes. And so for me to play a game with someone is literally a validation, an affirmation of, I enjoy time with you. I want to make you smile. I want to challenge you. Um, I remember my, my granddad could get so frustrated with how long it would take my grandmother to play a card. And he would say, <laughs> either you can, or you can't shit or get off the pot. <laughs> Just get so tickled, you know, seeing this, this part of them that I didn't normally see. So it was almost like I was stepping into their world and getting to play this yeah. adult game with them, not adult game, but you know what I'm saying? A grown up game. And yeah. so there's that from my childhood, but there's also when I was raising my children, we had this fun game where after dinner, the rule was whoever cooked did not have to clean, but to determine who was going to do the dishes, we played a game of Uno and whoever lost at Uno was the one to do the dishes. And of course, other people would you know, take pity on them and jump in and help, but you get the idea. The whole thing of Uno is a really big part of my, my whole life culture, really, when my granddad yeah. was on his deathbed my kids took a, a deck of Uno cards and pulled out the wild card and sent it back into the emergency room. They wouldn't let the kids go back. So they sent him a, a Uno Aww. wild card to communicate to, to him that they were thinking of him, you know, and praying for him. So games have just been a big part of my <laughs> life. And I remember with the cousin slumber parties and stuff and we'd get out, you know, whatever game. So when Charlie and I are playing games on a regular basis to evolve from whatever we're playing to a game of strip poker now, not such a big <laughs> leap. It's, it's not that big of a deal to go from point A to point B when that's the transition. Um, or a game of, of we played Jenga, we've played dominoes, we've played all different kinds of things. But the one thing that I have noticed that really helps us with our play is whenever we're playing with a group of people and there are teams being formed, I want to be on the same team as my husband. I don't like the feeling of we're in competition against each other and one of us is going to lose when the other one wins. I just like to feel that camaraderie between he and I. So do you guys play games in your house that aren't necessarily sexual, but it's just infusing the relationship with play? Every once in a while, we'll do family game night that had a few successful um, excess, successful instances when we were blending our family. But I will freely admit that as an Enneagram 8, for those of you who speak the Enneagram language, 8s um, are challengers. 
highly concerned with justice and there's always a winner and loser. And I have this fierce competitive streak. So you're a barrel of monkeys to play a game with. (laughs) Right, right. So, well, of course there are rules and there's a right way and a wrong way to do things. And I'll I'll tell you that I I had a, a difficult relationship with my dad until the last 18 months or so that he was alive. But one of the family memories that I have um, was me and my dad, my brother and my mom playing Monopoly. And my dad and I decided to form an alliance and it got so ugly in my family that we made a rule that my dad and I could not play Monopoly together. And that's actually a really good, good memory, like of playfulness in my family of origin. Um, so I don't know if it's that Monopoly moment or what, but but I would not see playing a card game or something like that with Jonathan as relaxing playfulness because I could not separate from my need to win. At least you know and this about yourself. I do. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I think that, again, we always come back to know thyself, right? So what is it that's going to be playful for the two of you? And if it's not a card game, then by all means, don't even try it. <laughs> um, but but if you're looking for something and you think that might be a good one, yeah, try Uno. It's fantastic. Such a fun game. That is good. Yeah, I gotta say, we're not really game people. We do Uno also and always played that with the kids. But generally speaking, uh, we're not huge game people. Now I would be game for if he wanted to play Scrabble every night, but I don't think he would, I'm a word person. So I don't think he would find that fun because it would get pretty competitive, I think pretty quickly. So um, I will say something that we have kind of gotten back into the habit is each taking turns planning a date, which I know date nights talked about a lot and all that, but Um, one thing we've really tried to do is make it inexpensive. So like trying to find a place like, so go pick up sub sandwiches and then find a park or someplace that we haven't been or haven't been recently and just go on a walk or something like that, explore something. So, um, I think that's good playfulness that we've kind of brought into our life but again it has to be intentional and so we've taken turns like he'll plan one week i'll plan the next week so i think kind of shared responsibility a good way you know shannon you were asking for like what are some ideas of people like this isn't naturally their nature i'm i'm big on like you know calling it out and saying hey you know i really would like to feel more connected to you what do you think about and then like put a suggestion out there um, or ask for their input and just say, hey, I'm trying to think of ways we could have some more fun together. What ideas do you have? Uh, just to kind of generate the conversation to get that kind of going. And then as far as the, the physical display of affection, I just say, I mean, even if you start in small ways, like even if you start, like if you naturally don't always hold hands, like you could hold your spouse's hand and see how they respond, I guess. Um, so you could try different things and uh, see what the reaction is. One thing like- that that I have found helpful um, in terms of date night and physical touch, um, when when we go to restaurants, we so often sit across the table uh, from each other, and that does help with 
eye contact, but what if you sat on the same side of the table and you held hands and, and it's possible to kind of wedge yourself um, sideways so that you can still right. maintain eye contact, but that facilitates touch in, um, and even like full side body touch rather than just hands. Right. Um, that might be a, a suggestion too. Yeah. I like the idea of getting out into nature. Sometimes I think that yeah. just going for a bike ride or when Charlie says, let's go for a motorcycle ride at sunset. I consider that play. I'm, I'm all about that. Yeah. We also really enjoy just taking a ball and our puppy dog out to an open field type of a thing or the fun thing lately has been at night just to wear her out because we we've both had surgery lately. So neither one of us can really take her for long walks. So we've learned that if we just get a red laser light in out into the dark in the front yard and just you know point it all over the yard, she just wears herself out running around and we're just sitting there in the Adirondack chairs laughing our butts off. But uh, uh, it's so funny, Angie, to hear you talk about how competitive you are, which explains a lot when we were directing summer camps together. That's another episode in and of itself. Not, well, I think we have happens. already, but it just goes to show how opposite we are in that regard, because one of the rules that I had, uh, when I was raising my kids is that like, I would want them to go play tennis with me, but we were not going to keep score. The idea was let's see how long we can keep the ball in play. How many times we can hit it back and forth before it falls to the ground. Like I'm so about everyone wins. I, yeah, I'm that mom, but it reminds me too about how sometimes if Charlie and I feel as if the competition level is too high and one of us is getting miffed that we haven't won very often lately, we will change up the rules to where all of a sudden, well, this game in particular that we play is either spite and malice or ulcer rummy. And instead of playing against each other, we're playing against the clock. We set the timer and we, and we just okay. collaboratively play and see how fast we can, we can successfully complete the round, but we're on the same team. So sometimes when we've sensed some tension between us, we're intentional about creating an opportunity where we play a game where we're on the same team. It just, I just love that feeling of camaraderie. I really do. Um, right. Also reminds me of the game Bananagrams. Have y'all ever paid, played Bananagrams? No. No. We had a round of dirty bananagrams where whatever word you well, now I want to play. <laughs> it's like dirty scrabble. Whatever yeah, word you have me at dirty. Yeah. <laughs> I, have a, I have a sign in my laundry room that says, I'm feeling dirty. Signed laundry. <laughs> but yeah, dirt, dirty bananagrams or scrabble, you whatever word you create has to be in some form or fashion sexual proper medical terms slang terms didn't matter but it had to be sexual that is a fun game it i actually played that with my adult son it was quite comical uh, not one well, along I'm those along it. those same lines yeah <laughs> along those same lines if you ever open up fortune cookies whatever the fortune says put in bed on the in end bed. of it yeah so yeah. that that makes for good good conversation too but i would also to piggyback on that like i think like just trying new things too. Like we went to that Beyond Van Gogh exhibit, which is like this traveling exhibit and um, totally not something that we would, you know, think to do really, but I had bought tickets a while ago. And so I thought, well, yeah, let's go check this out. And we both really loved it. And neither of us are very, like, we're not very aware of art history or anything, but 
it was very immersive and very fascinating. So it was just something new. So um, whether it's trying new restaurants or trying new outdoors areas, just like challenging yourself in your own community. You know, there's a lot you can get out and discover that doesn't necessarily cost a lot of money, um, but just are hidden treasures right there in your own community that are simple to go explore and enjoy. So that's, there's something to be said for that too. Totally. We dropped a ton of money on Broadway series tickets this season. So we talked about it, saved, found like gift cards that we hadn't used, like Visa gift cards, and just decided we're going to do this because this is going to give us eight dates on shows we haven't seen before and we're big Broadway fans so we've both seen a bunch of shows so eight shows we haven't seen before and we get to sit next to each other and hold hands and probably go for a meal before that um so we're really excited about that Uh, I also want to add Julie that um that creating those extended times of play is really important too so we definitely don't want to discount the the touching of the neck while someone's making dinner. But we just got back from a week at Acadia National Park. We love national parks. As an eight, I need to check off every single one of them before I die. (laughs) And that's a lot of parks. I know, I know. Yep, I'm getting there. We are getting there. And okay. and while we were there, we could do what we love most together. And it was hiking and doing something physically difficult. And our favorite, favorite thing to do is to hammock. Oh, oh if you don't have a camping hammock that you can just throw up in between trees and be next to each other and um, we hold hands between our hammocks, it it was just a beautiful week to rekindle that sense of play, that um, need for touch without anybody else in the whole world to interrupt us. And you know, they make double great. hammocks, right? Not yeah. We each have double hammocks. So oh. we each have our own double hammock. And that's so when I'm cold, I can close it up over me and cocoon. <laughs> and I even have binder Not clips <laughs> on my hammock so that I can like clip myself in and be safe from like a little cocoon, like my cocoon. Yes. I love it. Oh, that's funny. So if somebody stumbles across you guys in the woods, just keep walking. (laughs) They're fine. They're fine. fine. Just leave them alone. Just toss in some beef jerky to keep them alive. They're good. Uh, yeah. The idea of vacations, um, the idea of date nights. We love trivia nights at breweries. Charlie loves craft. Yeah, that's a big thing now. I, yeah. I don't, but I do enjoy the trivia part of it just because I see him come alive. I, I'm not necessarily about, you know, we have to win the trivia competition. I just enjoy watching people have fun. That's what's fun for me. Also dancing. Right. I, I love dancing with Charlie. Last week was his birthday. So I took him to Branson to dinner and a show we saw six in concert which is six acapella brothers who do this show and it was a bunch of oldie songs and charlie and i just decided to stand up and dance in the aisles it just felt very natural and appropriate and it was just fun and other people joined us um and then we're also looking about uh our fifth wedding anniversary we're looking into um 
the idea of instead of just a routine vacation where we try to see as much stuff as we can see or cover as much territory as we can, we're thinking about going to a place where you just stay there and that it's a tantric sex camp because we feel as oh, if, wow. even though we're both sex experts and counselors, we feel as if there's so much that we could still learn for ourselves that would only help us help others. So we're in the process of exploring which are the highest rated tantric retreat experiences on the planet, saving up for our fifth anniversary. But even just the anticipation of playfulness like that, the anticipation factor sometimes is 90% of the fun. Okay. Well, I was going to say on the anticipation is like, I think there's other ways you can build that too. And like, I mean, I think note writing is a good thing, like leaving little notes for each other, post-it notes or um, notes like in a lunchbox, that sort of thing. So that can be fun. Um, texting can be fun as long as you're kind of aware of not being too graphic. You know, you don't mistakenly send a text that you meant for your spouse to your neighbor or something. But there's ways to, I think, like build in the anticipation with like your own language and your own shared knowledge. I call it shared knowledge. So like certain words mean certain things. Um, I'll share a playful thing. So my husband, when um, shortly after we were married, I mean, we went through huge changes. Like he lost his job of 20 years, three days before Bradley was born. So here he lost like his job just because he was a mechanic and the dealership was closing. And then, um, so he went out and got a different job, but he had to work nights. So he worked four to midnight. Mm. And so we had a code, like if I wanted him to wake me up when he got home, because this was early in our marriage, we were still very sexually driven and um, both have really high drives. I still have a really high drive, but anyway, I would leave this screw like a literal like it was like a screw and I would leave it on the counter uh-huh like and that's he knew what that meant you want a screw so we never yeah. had to yeah he ne- he knew what that meant but and he would come wake me up and leave the rest to your imagination but um so we would never have to worry about like if our boys saw that you know they would never know what that meant so I think there's something to be said for like shared inside knowledge that's playful yeah. Yeah. Like Shannon, that. I just wanted, I, I want you to know that my anticipation is heightened thinking about you and Charlie going to a tantric <laughs> sex workshop. <laughs> I cannot wait to hear about what that was like and what, I mean, I guess I know what you would do there, but that it would be really different than anything that we've ever considered before. So I'll look forward to that episode. Yeah, well, you're going to be waiting about 16 months because that's how long it will be before we have our anniversary. And we're actually thinking about going over the Christmas holidays. So year and a half, uh, we want to do like one of these seven or 10 day type things. I think every five years, you need to be doing something really special for your anniversary, not just flowers and a card and dinner. So just the anticipation of what are we going to do in the next five years, in the next five years, we pretty much we have a bucket list. It does not include national parks. <laughs> we, we have other bucket lists of places that we want to go and things right. that we want to do and experience. So right. yeah, make life fun. Playing a couple, I truly believe a couple that plays together 
stays together. And I know that some people say, oh, but the expression is that a couple that prays together stays together. I don't disagree, but I also feel like it's yeah, both. a couple that plays together stays together. So with right. that, I have to say, we love you for listening. And we thank you for tapping on us.